0: Welcome to the UFSA podcast. I'm Michael Stringer, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Last episode, we began our two-part coverage of UFSA's career night, and Dr. Christine Evans gave a brutally honest picture of the academic job market. To balance things off, this episode will look at other career options in film, from production to programming. The panel was comprised of Telefilm executive Lauren Davis, festival programmer Tammy Bannister, filmmaker Jules Kostachin, and film instructor and programmer Sarah Shamash. We hope you enjoy the conversation.
1: Uh, so I'll just take a few minutes just to talk about my background and then what I do at Teller uh, My name's Lauren. Uh, grew up in Vancouver. Uh, went to UC Santa Cruz, just a shout out to the UC bell. <laughs> and uh, while I was down there, I studied economics, and uh, but I loved film. And I took a lot of film classes, um, but I got my degrees in economics. Then I came back here to UBC and did the film program um, in production. Nice. And, um... I didn't even, win. Well,
2: we'll have to look at yeah. her yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not dating myself yet. No, I'm, 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 d- 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 I'm pretty dated, too. I know,
1: I'm not. Uh, <laughs> um... And I started, uh, when I left, I didn't know what I wanted to do, much like uh, probably many of you, and I uh, had a people from the film classes were going, like, you know, let's just make some movies. So I said, okay, give me your bank card, and let's just make some <laughs> movies. And that's what we did on no budgets, and we figured out how to make a feature film. Um, that was Bruce Sweeney's first film, oh yeah. was the one
2: I... Right, you know, amazing, The Grocer's. No no, 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 that, no, was, John Poser, that was John Poser, but the same, same cohort. Same yeah. cohort. Yes.
1: And you know, right. it's interesting how many decades later I still uh, cross paths with all those people. Um, so I did that. I did uh, social issue documentaries and then quickly got on to the funding side of things. I worked at uh, what's called Creative BC now um, and then moved to telefilm. And I've come full circle in that I'm working at Telefilm on no-budget filmmaking. (laughs) Um, So what I do at Telefilm as uh, the regional feature film executive there is uh, I make decisions on how to invest government taxpayers' money into feature-length projects from first-timers to um, experienced filmmakers um, but on a lower budget range and this might not sound as low budget to you, but it's from two, uh, under $2.5 million. So the, uh, the kind of purpose, the mandate of that fund is to uh, find really interesting, unique projects that are gonna help propel that filmmaker into kind of uh, their next level. Um, what I do is we have application deadlines, Projects are submitted, and I look at those with a team, and we try to have a portfolio of projects that are super interesting, high-quality projects, but also meet a lot of public policy uh, mandates. So, gender, di- you know, gender diversity and parity, and cultural diversity, and regional diversity and then genre diversity and budget level diversity. And so it's kind of balancing all of those things to come up with a really nice spectrum of projects from Western Canada. Um, What I love about the job is just the creative energy, the people that I get to meet, the stakeholders in the industry. It's very multidisciplinary at Telefilm in terms of I'm working with business affairs, I'm working with communications, I'm working with promotions. Um, but at the heart of it is the creative ideas from people like you, and that's uh, always really exciting. <laughs> I, um, uh, my name is Tammy,
0: and I come about this, I guess, from a different route than most people, so I've kind of gone all over the, the board here. Um, so I'm from Ontario, and that's where I went to school, and I moved here uh, for the growing film scene, thinking I would continue studies at UBC. Um, and uh, just that I was drawn here to come see what was out on the West Coast, because it sounded so great from the other side of <laughs> <laughs> the country. Um, and you know, you, you land here and it's, it's a big city and I've never lived outside of my own town. And uh, I started volunteering on film sets because I wanted to first figure out if I liked doing that. And see if I enjoyed that environment. Um, which I did. Um, and at the same time I was working at a Blockbuster, like I'm sure most of you probably have at some point. Uh, maybe not, maybe that's dating me because Blockbuster doesn't even <laughs> exist anymore. <laughs> 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 I like, no, I'm like, oh my like, god, <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. I'm actually also just realizing that like cell phones kind of didn't <laughs> exist back then and like YouTube was not even really started. No. So um, this, the scene was very different and if you wanted to be a filmmaker it was really difficult to do. And of course I started out like everybody else. I wanted to be a director, I wanted to make music videos and you know, it just that's that was my trajectory I thought. Um, and uh, I, I worked on set for and did training through the Directors Guild of Canada um, and I was doing that for about five or six years as an associate member of the directors guild as an assistant director uh in different capacities on set i also tried my hand at camera work um, i tried set deck um i've written i wrote a few scripts i you know tried to get a few things produced i entered lots of contests like um I guess you still have that, Crazy Eights, that was just starting at the time, that was a very big break when it first started, it was like, oh my god, if you got picked for Crazy Mm -hmm. Eights, it was a big deal. Um, And I think I had one film in Crazy Eights that was uh, at the time, and then I, at at some point I started um, getting into the production side of things, like as a producer, um, and I started producing different events, like film events, independent film events, I produced the Great Canadian Commercial Contest, which was around for a few years, <laughs> <laughs> um, with a, a few other people who we all did that together. And um, and uh, at some point, uh, you know, it was great because there was a boom in the industry, and um, uh, there was lots of work during certain months. But other months in Vancouver, it was very dry for. Working in production, and I had to do something else. And uh, so I took up summer jobs, uh, started doing woodworking on private yachts, which mm. is very strange. Um, <laughs> but I thought, oh, I'm never going to be able to always make a living uh, doing what I want to do in film because it's like, you know, you have to go with the ebb and flow of the industry. Uh, and so I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll just transition into this other direction. And uh, at one point, I even thought I was going to open a cafe, and I started doing like coffee college and all of these kind of things to learn how to open a business um, and then uh, I actually hurt my knee on in one of these jobs and I had to go on workers' compensation and I didn't know what I wanted to do but I wanted to be in film still and uh, I went through a government retraining program and uh, I started working for festivals in, and uh, my first gig was at DOXA um, so were, they had a retraining opportunity and they took it and they needed a programming assistant, which at the time, I guess nobody wanted to work in festivals, so it was hard to find people to do that. <laughs> um, and I got a lot of experience, just like all my other jobs, I got all this other great experience and um, uh, then there was an opening at BIF and I, I took it immediately, um, I applied and that was great. And so I've been at BIF for eight years. Uh, in many different roles. I worked up from being an assistant, actually working at the front desk, to being a programming assistant, to being a program coordinator, to a consultant for the international program, and uh, this year I had my own program, which is a short-form program called MODES. Uh, And in the past five years, or eight years, I've been working also, uh, because FIF only runs uh, for, you know, two weeks in the year, so... For the international programming, they don't need someone there all year round, so it's contract work. So I do six months of the year with BIFF, And uh, and then the other six months, I program another festival called Real to real which is a youth and family festival that you may or may not know about, uh, but I'll tell you more about it. And that's basically where I'm at now. <laughs>
2: cool. Um, yeah. Hi, everyone. I um, also want to acknowledge that we're on unceded Muslim territory. And I say that, you know, to show my solidarity with Indigenous sovereignty, and that includes representational and visual sovereignty. Um, And yeah, just to share a bit about myself, my name's Sarah, and um, I actually graduated from, in my undergrad, the UBC film program, many years ago. Um, And I ended up living in France for a number of years, and I, I didn't plan to study there, but I did end up, actually French education is very, is free, it's public, so I ended up doing a masters in film, um, which was really interesting, very different kind of education than I, from UBC, which was a bit more, is still more conservative. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, so I have a a bit of a maybe academic, you know, studied film, um, but I did out of film school at UBC work on set, and I actually kind of hated it. yeah, I was yeah, was very kind of redneck and macho. <laughs> and um, yeah, I really got sick of getting coffees for producers <laughs> um, yeah. so that and I just realized I wanted to make make films and, and even much more experimental things that UBC wasn't really that interested in, so um, when I when I was living in Paris I, I started doing that more Um, really doing more kind of independent media artworks and and very independent documentaries. Um, And then I came back to Canada. Um, I did the the film centre in Toronto. Um, And, yeah, I did some projects there. Um, And then I did a bunch of residencies at Banff and um, in Brazil, um, in Toronto. And then kind of by default... I ended up back in Vancouver cuz I'm from here and my family's here and um yeah <laughs> my time and sort of my visa in Brazil had expired <laughs> so even though I passed it um and then I I um continued really working as a kind of independent media artist and filmmaker um and just concretely now I I teach film studies at Vancouver Film School um and I program films for the Vancouver Latin American Film Festival. Um, I'm doing a PhD in Interdisciplinary Studies, so I'm really thinking about film. I have my head in film a lot, um, and writing about film. Um, and yeah, I I'm, I'm have a few sort of media projects, but that's sort of less present right now. So that's kind of where I'm at in terms of my engagement with film. So not really industry. Um, definitely a kind of central passion in my life. So hi everyone, I'm Jules
3: Kustachin, I'm Cree from Ottawa-Piscope First Nation in Northern Ontario. Um, I've lived in Toronto, Sudbury, Montreal, Ottawa, now I'm here in Vancouver. Um, I'm a mom, I have four sons, (laughs) 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 and I'm also doing my PhD which is, like, I just got candidacy in May, so now I'm supposed to be writing, but I'm doing nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i <to> <laughs> yeah, doing, doing all film stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's research, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, I started out as an actor, this is like, oh my god, 1990s, um, and even the late 80s, but anyway, we will to talk about that, um. <laughs> And as an indigenous person, I was really tired of the roles that I was getting and auditioning for, and they were so sexist and discriminatory. And I was like, who's these writers? What's happening here? I even was in the, you know, in the lead for uh, Legends of the Fall with Brad Pitt. Before yes. he was Brad Pitt, I was like, <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> and they were like, will you dye your hair? And I was like, no, this is what I look like. <laughs> but I would have totally dyed my hair if I it. it was Brad Pitt. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, but at that time in the 90s, that, that you know, and I still think mainstream has these ideas of what an Indigenous person looks like and how they should be and so forth. Um, so I struggled through that, and then I was like, you know what, screw this, I'm going to start writing and I'm going to start doing stuff my way. Um, is it like control that way? No, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, I was just kind of getting tired as an actor going through these roles and stuff, and I just was getting sick and tired of it. And, um, but I, I was acting for a long time, I was in front of the camera, and then had my kids, my two older ones, 23 and 21 now, and um, my 23-year-old, Asivak, is actually doing a lot of acting right now. So he's doing quite well. He's booking stuff, which is really great. He's union. <laughs> um, so he's living my dream. Um, it's all good. Um, and then, you know, I, I had my two older boys and I had to kind of take a step back. And then I went back to school. Um, did my master's at Documentary Media at Ryerson University. Uh, did an intensive film program, film program at Ryerson, and then I just um, just kept going. And I think for me right now, doing my PhD actually pays my bills so I can do my film work. So I'm very creative that way. I'm um, still doing my PhD, but I'm kind of you know managing my time. And I just finished Walk um, uh, which is a CBC short doc. I don't know if you've seen it about Indigenous twins. Um, so that did really well. It was on CBC a few times and it's online. And um, I just did a, another short documentary on um, Shannon Kustach and Shannon's dream. Uh, I had uh, installed a monument dedicated to Shannon's work and her advocacy. She died at the age of 15, and her advocacy was around equitable access to education in Canada for Indigenous kids and youth. Um, so I'm busy, but I like it. I'm not complaining. Um, i 've made films for thirty five bucks five hundred bucks to half a million dollars, <laughs> so i 've made films and TV stuff with a budget without a budget because it's for me it 's passion. You know what? like I was running a shelter in a crisis center and I was doing all the stuff in social services just to pay my bills, but I was like totally miserable like I was just like I mean I like the work in terms of helping and supporting community and indigenous community, but I was like dying inside inside creatively and I was like I gotta do something so I just leapt back into the arts and I feel so good I just wish I would have done it sooner mm-hmm. but now what I'm doing is I'm using film and TV to shed light on, on, on issues that indigenous people are facing so I'm kind of doing this really kind of social justice work with really cool like matriarch protagonists <laughs> you know in really strong indigenous roles so I'm kind of using film as a tool And I don't like the word empower, but to create a platform or to create a space where um, we are recognized uh, for our resiliency. Yeah, and my PhD is on Indigenous documentary, so I'm looking at story and sacredness of story, and, you know, uh, some communities collectively care for their stories, so who has the right to tell certain stories, how do they approach stories, so that's what my PhD is on. It's my spiel. Thank you.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Thinking maybe next, um, since we've kind of got that macro view, uh, if we can like zoom in on the day-to-day, um, which for like I'm, I mean, like for me, I know like when I think of going into a career, like I think of the big ideas, and then there's all these little things that come with a job or, uh, as well. So uh, could you describe to us a little bit what your day-to-day looks like? Looking for work. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I I have a desk job, so I come into an office, um, I can work from home if if I chose to, but I don't because I like the camaraderie of coming in, and I just talk all day, so it's (laughs) meetings with people to talk about projects, it's people that have projects that have run into problems, it's promotions, it's trying to do something with Tammy. Um, and it's uh, so it is just uh, kind of project oriented but also policy oriented and uh, it's planning, it's guidelines it's, so it's just meetings, 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 meetings meetings. that's what I do and then I will take uh, a day and I go home and I'm reading scripts reading scripts, reading scripts and watching rough cuts and watching short films of who's coming down the pipe Um, And it's so it's meeting with um, external people, and it's a lot of meetings internally. And I am just talking (laughs) and um, looking, and so it's you know out there and going down those rabbit holes. Oh, that's interesting. Who was the writer on that? Oh, what are they doing? Where are they from? What's going on? Uh, You know, someone comes in and says, "No, I met this person. They're doing this. You should really know them." And it's talking with stakeholders in industry, sales agents, um, distributors, film festival programmers, a lot of film festival programmers, because that's where we're, you know, trying to get traction for our filmmakers. It's, um, so it's just um, strategy and uh, finding out who's doing what and everyone's sharing information constantly. Yeah, I'd have to say it's very similar. Um,
0: it's a lot of administrative work. So for me, uh, I'm mostly communicating with uh, s- film suppliers uh, internationally because I work on the international side of things. It's probably a little different for the Canadian team. Um, and at BIFF, that's all I'm doing. I'm I'm just talking to new submissions, and we're scouting films, we're researching films. Um, a lot of that going down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> finding out about new projects, what's coming up, what's going to be at the next big festival, so we can scout from Berlin or Cannes or wherever uh, it happens to be interesting at the moment. Um, I do a lot of scouting at Annecy, because uh, for real to real the Annecy International Film Festival is the biggest animation festival in the world, and we show a lot of animation, so uh, I go there every year, so I do get to go to other festivals sometimes as well. Um, but that's a very small part of it and that seems to be like the glamorous, the part glamorous that everyone poetry. wants to know about <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually a very small part and it's really tiring mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you don't, you may not think that but it's like you're watching five films a day in a theater where you have to run around a city that you don't know that well and nobody speaks your language mm. and you have to figure it all out on your own mm-hmm. and it's uh, it probably gets easier um, but it's, it's challenging at this stage for me um, and it's it's a very small part, um, and then a lot of it uh, for real to real. I'm watching a lot of films, and uh, um, for the program I did at BIFF, I was watching a lot of films and researching a lot of films. So not only submissions, but we also do scouting outside of that. Um, uh, real to real usually gets somewhere around 500 films in total. So maybe 400 of those or 450 of those are short films, um, and then the rest of them are features. Which is not that many, actually, considering we only show maybe ten, ten films, ten feature films a year. Um, and then uh, BIFF is a whole different beast. It's much bigger. There are many other programmers. So a lot of what I do there is also coordinating the other programmers. Um, so remote programmers who may need information or want me to do research for them, or it, you know, it's it's just a lot of coordinating. Um, so that's one side of things and then I guess I should tell you a little bit about the production side that I also have kind of a background in um, working on set is like <laughs> you have to really like that environment to want to do it forever um, a lot of people burn out at a certain mm-hmm. point um, and probably if I wasn't injured I would keep doing it but it actually came to the point where I physically couldn't stand on set for 15 hours a day and that's how long your day is yeah So if you're interested in production, you really have to be like one of those people that can do a project for that long. You know, you can be working on a feature film for like three months, uh, doing pre-production all the way through to post, and um, depending on what your role is and what kind of prep is involved and what kind of rap is involved for you. But it's 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 hard. <laughs> it's hard work, but it's really good pay. That's that's the one thing about Onset Work. Because if you're working in a right. union or you're working in a guild, um, you're getting really great wages, especially here. And for the most part, if you're working in, living in Vancouver, you're going to have like work all the time, pretty much. Um, maybe that's changed with the cost of living now, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. You can ask me more later. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, I feel like my day-to-day is somewhat varied. Um, I also have a small three-year-old child, which takes up a lot of my day-to-day life. But um, right now, for example, um, I've been researching for my writing uh, and thinking about time um, for Amazonian indigenous peoples um, for a film that I'm analyzing. And... um, uh, weirdly, so I had an Ecuadorian friend where the VLAF is going to be focusing on uh, some of the Andean countries Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia. Anyway, she's like, Oh, I have a friend who's a filmmaker in Ecuador. Can I connect you? I was like, Sure. Anyway, long story short, he's passed this message around to all his filmmaking friends, and I have like 10 emails from Um, Ecuadorian filmmakers sending me all their films (laughs) so I have like yeah a lot of footage to also watch so it's going to be watching a lot of Ecuadorian films which is which is a I think it's a privilege to um, to be able to do that Um, not particularly profitable in any way but uh, interesting and um, yeah and I teach film theory at VFS so I'm also kind of thinking about it's a little bit less academic, but engaging ways for students to, um, you know, engage with, with film theory. Um, yeah, so I teach three classes in film theory there, and, uh, one in digital design. So that's kind of, yeah. And I have a bunch of projects in my head that are sort of a little bit, you know, I work a little bit here and there on them, but um, yes. Jules has been reassuring me that once my kid grows a bit older, I have more time to dedicate more to creating. It's like child labor. And they can hold the boom? (laughs) 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 The more kids (laughs)
3: you got, (laughs) you (laughs) production (laughs) team.
5: Totally. (laughs)
3: Exactly. Train training him, but (laughs) that's what I would bring him on set young. Yeah, yeah, for me, I mean, like, I, I don't know, like, I. I keep myself busy, like, I just was in L.A. and, you know, my film won for Best Short Documentary at the L.A. Skins Fest, and I was there, and I invest, like, for me, like, I work to invest in my work. So, that's my advice to you, is get out there. If your film gets into a festival, save the money, go to the festival because you're meeting other filmmakers, and I potentially launch, uh, like, got another job with someone in L.A. who wants to do a documentary. So, I mean, you just meet people, right? You go out there, and I mean, I stayed in a really scary Airbnb, (laughs) but it's, like, totally worth it, right? And then this, this like, rich producer person took me up for dinner. I was like, oh, thank God, because I've got, like, 20 bucks left. No. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and then I do stuff, like, I I went back to Ottawa-Piscot, and I do film workshops with the youth. Uh, We went in there, and we were there for two weeks, and that's my home community, and we left there with 22 films. Like, the kids made 22 friggin' films. And then, so, when we had this little mini film festival in Ottawa, Ottawapiskut, and then hopefully get funding again, this is with Planet and Focus Film Festival, and hopefully we're going back again, and we're going to call it the Ottawa Ottawapiskut Film Festival, which okay. is like freaking amazing, and then we've got this youth um, who's going to be the programmer, so I don't know, like it's just like providing all these like opportunities for people, and that's where I get my passion and my energy from, is I think it's really important to give back, you know, and... I have my own production company and I'm really big on bringing people in creating opportunity you know because you never know that person could potentially be your boss one day (laughs) right so like you just I I believe um in creating creating opportunity so um I'm also very weary I've had some issues with other producers and stuff so I have my own production company I don't think I'll ever go into a shared production company again but you can do co-pros um but, uh, yeah, so I'm always busy. I'm going to film festivals. I programmed a female live film festival. We used to have the friggin' what are they, cassettes? Oh, okay.
2: DVDs. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah.
3: she would bring over a box of DVDs. And you'd just sit there. And some of them, you know, we were like, oh, my God, I have to sit here for an hour. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just volunteered. Like, I totally think if this is your passion, you've got to put yourself out there. Like, And sometimes you don't get paid. But sometimes you do, which is really cool, right? But um, <laughs> I think... I'm at a place right now, I'm in my mid-40s, and I spend a lot of time raising my kids, so I'm, like, ready to go. Like, I've had to put projects on hold, and they're good projects. I just didn't have the capacity or the time to do it. So, and now I'm doing a PhD. (laughs) Um, It'll all work out. Um, Yeah, so, like, I just... Just keep yourself busy. Put yourself out there and volunteer. And when I was, uh, you know, acting, like, I was volunteering on other film students, like, their their, uh, projects... And some of them, like, became really big filmmakers. So it's just like creating these opportunities to network, right? Because you don't know. Like, the person beside you could be, like, the next big director or whatever, or you could be, right? And I think it's all about kind of lifting each other up, because it is very competitive at times, but, you know, I just, I don't know, that's just my community service kind of social service sector background, but it's working for me, and I think you have to invest in your own work and pay for that, you know, trip to a film festival or go do workshops in, you know, marginalized communities to support other people who have that dream and, you know, I don't know, I'm giving advice because it's my mom thing, but <laughs> yeah, it's my day to day.
2: And there's funding too to travel, like Arts Council funding to travel to, you Lots know. of paperwork. Lots of paperwork, <laughs> but, you know, it pays, like it's worth it, so yeah. yeah, I've done a lot of like Arts Council funding grants, which have Allowed me to, you know, do that kind of go to festivals and so on, and yeah. as well as make projects, um, you know, more kind of independent, more budget projects. But, um, yeah, I'd say a bit like probably 50% is is bureaucracy. Yeah, you gotta be good at paperwork. You gotta be good at paperwork, you gotta you gotta be good yourself. at negotiation. I
4: think yeah. and
2: negotiation.
4: Budgets. <laughs> um, kind of going off of that. Could you elaborate a little bit more on like some skills that are necessary in each of your fields and areas? Um, so, like, for example, what kind of advice would you give to, since a lot of us here are EBC students, how do we build off of what the skills that we kind of learn here, and also what are other skills that um, we can't or like you usually don't pick up in university that mm-hmm. you think are really valuable for?
2: I think negotiating is one actually, Negoti- knowing how to negotiate, um, and that's something that you learn doing. <laughs> you kind of figure that out, you know, as, a cl- as in so many roles. But you know, when you're a filmmaker and you're in a situation, or you're, you know, in a different city and you don't know, <laughs> like you, kn- you need to know how to, yeah, negotiate um, t- with the means that you have to get yourself also a fair there's a lot of yeah negotiating is is,
3: I I think like know what you're good at you're in film school right now or you're volunteering or you're working on set know what you're good at and then just focus on that but to know what you're good at I think you have to try everything like I edited my feature my first feature and I thought I was going to die and I learned it from lynda.com how to edit (laughs) so I was just teaching myself but now that makes me a better shooter so when I grab a camera I'm like, "Oh my god, cuz I edited this film forever, I know what shots I need." You know what I mean? So then now I'm at a place where I can actually hire people to be like, "And now I know exactly what it is I want." I'm not good at editing, but I know how to edit. I'm not good at shooting, but I know how to shoot. You know what I mean? So it's just like I think just figure out if you if you're bossy and not bossy, but if you're like, you know, you know what you want in terms of making sure that vision um, is realized, then you should be going into directing and working with actors. And if you can pull stuff out of actors, then that's what you should be doing. If you're a great creative writer, then go there. And I just think like, I've tried so many different things. And right now, you know, I, I'm, I'm good with money. I've managed my household. I have four kids. I'm super efficient. Like those are transferable skills. I know how to do these things. I've done budgets, you know, I've worked in management and the social. S- those are transferable skills. So, I can do that stuff, but also know you can hire <laughs> you can hire people to do stuff you don't want to do, but I think just kind of having your hands and you know having that experience and figuring out what it is that you're good at yeah, will help definitely
1: finding out what you don't know yeah, 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 and sometimes it's it's just diving in and you realize, oh, I didn't know about that now I want to learn about it so I think Jules is right, just putting yourself out there, volunteering shadowing someone, finding out what they do, um, uh, and finding out what you don't know, because you don't, when you, you've you been in a program and you've learned a ton, and then you don't know what else is out there and what you don't know, so yeah, go f- just go explore. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I would echo everything that smart women are saying. <laughs> Um, and I would also say if you're going into production um, observe a lot uh, and no matter what capacity of the industry you're going into, watch a lot of cinema like watch as much as you can and if you can watch it in a theatre, even better you're going to learn so much just from watching like, I worked at Blockbuster I took ten rentals a night yeah. probably watched almost all of them or parts of them and then with my money that I made at Blockbuster, I rented movies at Videomatica. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a free film school, <laughs> and yeah. it's like the next level film school. I'm not even kidding. Um, you, you just gotta watch a lot and read a lot, and practice your writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Start practicing your writing yeah. early, whether it's for grants, whether it's yeah. for applications, yes. um, for treatments, like, or even just like criticism. You, you need to practice your writing early and just try and do it all
3: the time. Yeah. I was just gonna add something It's funny because for my TV series, Me Boys, the producer that I was working with, I was like, What is a Bible? What the hell does that look like? I kind of have an idea. But he gave me like this American Bible. It was a hundred and something pages. <laughs> so I used that as my template for the TV. And they were like, This is like the best written Bible we've ever received. I <laughs> <laughs> was like, it was a freaking thesis. It didn't ha- And then we were like, You could have handed in 20 pages. I was like, what? (laughs) So I spent like three months doing this 20 page, uh, sorry, 100 page Bible. But it was so expensive. It was like the most detailed. But now I'm like totally expert on Bibles. (laughs) Like I know how to write those things. Anyway, just throwing that out there. Make sure it's Canadian if you're going to use any templates. (laughs) It's a very different market and industry. So yeah, just throwing that out there when you said writing. Yeah, totally.
0: (laughs) And get out to your film events. Like, um... It's strange but you meet people oh and, yeah. and you find collaborations that way and you get inspired by what other people are doing and you learn about what's going on in the industry that you want to be a part of so um, just get out to them as much as possible and be there and observe you know, in, in, in the beginning anyway and then <laughs> put yourself out there once you're comfortable
1: you know. I saw like Cineworks is a local film co-op oh they're yeah. constantly looking for volunteers on films so you can just go there and then just help someone make a film, and by being on their set, you know what you want to do, and you know what's going on. Um, or if it's not on set, it's the production, the producing side, or the office side, or, yeah, so it's a neat way to get out there, too. Someone from the audience to.
5: Um, it sounds like most a lot of you are juggling a bunch of things at the same time. Um, what kind of keeps you afloat and make like how do you guys handle stress, for example, and make sure that everything is kind of at okay in terms of their progress and nothing is being too like let down. That can't be let down. I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <You've> <laughs> gotta be I'm, good I'm with stress.
1: I've got three kids and uh, a more than full-time job um, and sometimes the, um, the pace of it can be intoxicating and sometimes it can be too much um, and knowing when <coughs> to take breaks from it and I think production com- you know, what Tammy said is a completely different um, uh, mindset it's really satisfying if you're that type of person that likes project-oriented mm-hmm. work To do something intense, 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 and then step away Mm -hmm. and have a feeling of accomplishment. Whereas when you have a desk job, there is no sense of accomplishment (laughs) because it's (laughs) always ongoing. (laughs) There's not an end, and so it just depends what type of person you are, what type of work you like, Um, and you can try different times and kind of find your, your your you know your
5: home.
0: Yeah, project-based work i found is very satisfying mm-hmm. for the artistic side of the work because you can really put something into it for a very long time. It's kind of, of an adrenaline focused, yeah, yeah. that
2: goes yeah. to that accomplishment. And sure. at the end,
0: there's sometimes of c- catharsis about it, right? Like you've completed something, you've accomplished this, you've made it, and you've put it out
3: into the world and then, you know, and there's you dip- a whole new stress. I say try, it. like for me, it's just like I try, the best advice I ever got was keep yourself relevant. Try to produce one project per year if you can. And you can do that through the BC Arts Council. You can get 20,000 bucks and do a short piece or an emerging piece. You can do something through Canada Council. Like, or I did. I found a Super 8 camera and I made a two-minute film, and it's went around to different film festivals. I kept it really short, concise, something that I was able to manage. And then that cost me 35 bucks putting it through a lab, you know, and then digitizing it. And then it was a really great little piece, right? So if you can keep yourself producing stuff at least once a year, and it doesn't have to be, you know, super long. But also think time management, like really work on your time management skills. Like get a good night's sleep. I don't know if I could do the 15 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, like my small project. Yeah, it's and like I, yeah, I like the small. all you have to get
0: is nine hours. And if you're working yeah. in Langley, for instance, on a oh shoot, you're yeah. driving an hour of that, two hours. So you're not sleeping. It. No, you get seven hours, you come back, and then you're like, yeah. i got to go
1: right back in the yeah. Can't do that with the kids. No, but, uh, you know, it's, it's really important. I mean, I'm going to circle back to that. I mean, if you want to be a creator um, of any kind of content, you need to find your voice. And you find mm-hmm. a voice by practicing your craft, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be a million dollar movie. It you know you can do things on your phone <laughs> that look really great. Um, so it is about um, making that time to make your your if it's writing, if it's um, you know directing, um, if it's producing. But it is practice your craft as, as any chance you can get. Um, and help other people that are trying to practice their craft and do projects because you'll learn from them as well and those collaborations are, are kind of also what can really feed you and give you energy.
0: Yeah, and you'll learn pretty quickly where when you have something to say and what that feels like compared to when you're just duplicating mm-hmm. stuff that's already out there. Uh, but it's good to do the duplication too. Like It's good to create something that somebody else has, tell that story as well, to learn how to do it and then you want to eventually find your voice right so you go, that's kind of like I think we're, we should always be working towards is like finding your voice and
3: saying something meaningful yeah. and there's enough people here I've been wanting to do this and think I just moved here two years ago but I was like doing like you ever do a film weekend or like a 48 hour fun film thing so everybody pitches in like 50 bucks and whoever like and then you all like kind of grade each other's films at the end and the person takes home the pot So you got like 48 hours to complete a short film under five minutes. And then you got like you guys, there's enough people here. You guys can do that. You can like motivate yourselves to go out and compete against each other and do a short film like that, you know, and you know, there's like 300 bucks in that pot of, you know, and then you can do another one. You can make some money, (laughs) like be really creative that way. Like those film competition things, you can do that as a collective. You don't need any, you've got access to film equipment, right? Being in the film program, mm-hmm.
4: uh, do you? well, if you're oh. in the film production yeah. program, yeah.
3: Or iPhone, I shot like my other doc. I, I shot it mostly on my iPhone because I was up in Auto Upskut, so I just started shooting on my. Well, it looks fine to me. I can't tell. <laughs> so like, can totally. And then you have iMovie on your phones now too, and iPads yeah. and stuff. So
0: Sean Baker shot one of the best films ever made on iPhone. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, didn't use some sort of. So you haven't seen it? Watch it. Like it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Just yeah. Bad.
1: Technology was, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on that. Yeah. But um, what that director had was a brilliant script and mm-hmm. brilliant performances. Um, mm-hmm. So, and you may have access to that. So um, there are. It's it used to be <coughs> s- such a, a barrier to enter into film because of the cost of producing and. That keeps going down and down and down and down because people just really want good stories Mm -hmm. um, and are way more accepting of different formats formats and different uh, visual representation of that story.
2: The the broadcast quality thing is kind of yeah, that's Mm -hmm.
0: not really the bar or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you have an advantage anyway.
3: Super 8's cool if you can get your hand on a super eight camera. Oh my god, it looks so beautiful. But you have to measure. Remember having to measure where the camera is to the person and then you get your footage back, you're like, Oh my god, it's totally blurry. You gotta go shoot that again. <laughs> Do you remember that? Or you didn't yes. load the camera? Is you're like hair in the lens <laughs> 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 send it back to the lab. <laughs> but anyway. You yeah. can you guys give
5: some advice on how or even tell like how you guys found your voice and you would give advice to younger people on like
3: how to go about finding voice. for me I would say stick to what you know you all have a story everybody has a story and I always say tell your story first before you start telling other people's story because you're coming from a place of, of, of knowing and it's the essence of your being so for me you know, like, that's why I like documentary and stuff because it's a little bit more accessible and manageable and stuff but everybody has a story you know, and, you know, there's content there, something beautiful there. So I would say start, if you're starting out, learn how to tell your own story first, and then go into other people's stories. But, I mean, someone might have other advice than that, but for me, that's worked for me.
2: Um, I think it's just doing, you know. The more you kind of go through that creative process and are exploring, and in the act of doing, it, you it's like in the act of doing that you find it or that it comes out or whatever. So, um, yeah, there's that. You have to keep kind of risking, you know, and not everything you make will be, you know, amazing. You might cringe at some things. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's in that act of doing that you're, you're kind of learning yourself, you know, who you are and how you work and, and, and um, what kind of turns you on and so on.
0: In addition to that, you, sh- you could consider along the way what kind of artist you want to be in whatever it is you want to do. Um, I think it's something that not many people think about until they're very far in their career and they realize, oh, I'm finally I'm this kind of artist. Like, if you want to be an actor, do you want to be a working actor, or do you want to be like a star, or do you want to, you know, be someone who only does plays on small indie theaters or something, right? Like, what you have to find what suits you, right? So I think you have to continuously be thinking about what it is, the kind of career you want to have. What, what, what kind of artist do you want to be? What do you want to put out there? Um, and it's, it's a strange thing to think about, I guess, but if you don't think about that, I find you kind of then are just pulled in all these different directions and you never really get to focus on what it is that is actually your strength or what it is that is actually making you happy or what it is that is actually paying the bills in some cases. Yeah, so it's, som- it's something to consider anyway. It might help f-
1: find your voice. Okay. Oh, I have anything to add. That was just so awesome. <laughs> 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 um, I, I mean, at Telefilm, I will get a stack of scripts every year that's the Cabin in the Woods movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. right, and it's because we Music. live in DC, <laughs> It's accessible. It's yeah. cheap. Horror is cheap. Yeah. I yeah. only need these people. I know the formula. I can deliver that. But we're always looking for something um, that we haven't seen before, um, that you can't just go down and get, uh, you know, a, a, v- a you know, video on demand. Um, so you're you're young, and you may not think you have a lot of experiences, but your voice is—it it, doesn't matter. And everyone is singular. And so, just to echo that, you know. Um, You know, every time you create, you are finding your voice, Mm -hmm. and so to keep creating and finding your voice. Mm -hmm. And um, the Cameron in the Woods movie, um, that's fine to make, but make sure it's your own and you're, you know, take it in a direction it's never gone in before. Um, But I would probably be more interested in the story of you know, how you spent your summer when you were 14 more interesting than something that is formulaic.
4: Um, this is kind of similar to um, maybe what you were touching on, Tammy, but like for the non-creatives maybe. Um, mm-hmm. So you're talking about kind of finding um, like where you want to go kind mm-hmm. of, and how that's important this is a question for all of you but do you have any advice for um, or also just anecdotes about uh, how important it was for you in your journey to kind of get to where you were knowing that you want to be exactly where you are or like if you're still kind of figuring out where you want to go and how to kind of navigate that like is it important to know exactly what you want to do in order to
3: I'm like what are we going to do when we grow up? No. I
5: mean, I'm graduating in May and it's like, what are you going to do after that? Like, uh, I don't well, know. I kind
4: of know like the general direction, but like, I don't have so like go in that general
3: direction. I still don't know. Yeah. I,
0: don't. <laughs> I mean, there's no straight path to anything, right? I, I don't think. I mean, I I'm like the poster person for that. I went all over the place and I still am. Like I will still do that. I still want to explore what mm-hmm. drives me. It's not maybe only film or maybe it's something else in film uh, you know like I have just as much fun producing as I do writing right? and some of those sometimes it's just like what, which one is like speaking to me right now, which one is like fulfilling whatever it is that I need fulfilled right now
1: I think it's guided me then the door opens walk through it Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't care what That's it is. <laughs> totally. As
0: long as it's in your general
1: direction. <laughs> 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 not not, ba- not background. <laughs> so I spent five years at Telephone. and said, hey, you know, we need to look at processes. Can you do that? If yeah. anyone asked me to do something, I just went, okay. Yeah. Um, sure, let's all do that for five years. Audits? You want me to look at audits? Okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing you do. And it doesn't t- tell me, maybe the, the the woodworking, you have to <laughs> tell me. But I don't think there's anything you do in life that doesn't in- help yeah, you totally with fun. your yeah. next adventure. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing. You know, I think of all the weird odd jobs I had. <laughs> and, you know, if it was just, you know, selling ice cream to, um, you know, stuffing envelopes, whatever... It gave me insight into that work environment, those people, um, different kind of communication skills, Mm -hmm. um, and then within Telefilm, I've had seven seven different bosses, four different departments, Mm -hmm. completely different jobs, going left brain, left side of the brain, right side of the brain. Um, So start off in your general direction, and then if a door opens, just walk through it, see where it takes you. If it's like, ooh, I really don't like this, <laughs> go to the next door. Oh, you know, I would, add, I would add something too.
0: Be your own best advocate because mm-hmm. no one is going like, to pump <laughs> you up and be like, you're a really a really great little filmmaker. Yeah. No <laughs> one's like, going to say that. You have to be like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And you really have to motivate yourself if it's something that you really feel strongly about. Um, yeah, no one's going to do that for you.
2: I think even more uh, yeah, I think even as a as a woman, I think even more you have to do that. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. Um, be your own <laughs> advocate because I've noticed that guys actually don't have a problem with doing that. Mm. <laughs> being like, I'm awesome. <laughs> I'm the best <laughs> artist and filmmaker. And I remember being like, they can do that? You're allowed to say that yeah. about yourself? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Not that I can ever quite do that, but you know, that's that... Um, it was a bit, I remember being like, yeah, no one else is going to be saying that, so um, you have to, just the same way if you don't ask, no one's going to be asking it for you, so, um, yeah. Yeah, you have to
3: be self-determined, you have Mm -hmm. to have that passion, you're going to hear a lot of no, 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 and then once in a while you hear yes, and then you got to be ready for it. You know, I'm mid 40s now. I have like multiple projects that I had from 20 years ago, but they're kind of sitting there, but I'm going to do them. And I will do them. And I'm I am. I'm working towards that. So I'm always ready to go. And I apply apply I apply for so much stuff. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I spend a lot of my time so you have to work on your business skills. You got to work on how the to do grants. Yeah. And one time like I was applying like uh, I put it out there in the universe. I always put stuff out there in the universe. I'm a true believer of that. I was like, everybody around me, all these artists were getting money from Ontario Arts Council. And I was like, I don't even know how to write a grant. Like, what? Like, I was so intimidated. And then I got invited to sit on the jury of Ontario Arts Council, and I had to look at over a hundred applications, and I was like, the best proposal writer ever after that. (laughs) Because I read a hundred. So, you know, like, those kind of opportunities help build your skills. You have to be ready for that, and you know. And I got paid for that, and I sat on the jury for a week, and I got to hear people's opinions about different proposals for films and stuff like that. Wow, it was amazing, right? Um, yeah, and just keep producing stuff, like you know, like even if it's a small project over the weekend. You know, there's online magazines now, too. Like, I did a little short three-minute film for Wyatt Magazine, mm-hmm. and it's just, like, small, short film that cost me no money, and my kids were driving me nuts, but they were in the film that day, and they were throwing
2: trash cans. <laughs> and I was like, just smile, just smile for the
3: camera. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so you just work with what you have. Know what you have around you. You have a lot of creative people around you or people that's good at paperwork or people that's good at organizing. Pull them together. I just love making film, right? I mean, I can do it for, like, no money. <laughs> like, it's just the passion's there. So I say feed that passion.
2: And and, and talk to people. Like, yeah. if you want to know what the reality is of a certain job, you might have an idea about it. Um, sometimes you think, wow, that is so cool, you know, whatever, film programming, it's really, it is really cool and exciting and amazing. But the reality in Vancouver is, is it's really badly paid, and there's only very few People that actually make money doing that in Vancouver, and so just like to know the reality. A lot of times, if you are really okay. interested in that, maybe <laughs> you have to go to Toronto or whatever, just to know what the landscape is around a specific thing that you want to do. Talk to the people that do that, so you're kind of, yeah, yeah you're, it, you you demystify it a bit.
4: <laughs> go to career nights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Canada's all about that as well,
0: like you, you can put yourself in positions to open those doors for yourself, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to put yourself in those places if you want those doors to open. If so, if the
1: environment is a film festival, w- volunteer. Yeah.
3: yeah. Get in
1: there, meet who's doing what, figure it out. Um, uh, and you know, sometimes yeah, you're gonna have to take a day job while you do <laughs> that. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I mean, just don't let the day job take over. So make sure you've got the energy to, at the end of that day to to, yeah, to start investigating and doing the groundwork and the legwork for where you want to go. Yeah, I mean, I worked uh, as a venue manager
0: at the film festival for three years before I ever worked in the office, and it was only for two weeks a year while I was working mm-hmm. on set, mm-hmm. and so that. It was just happens to be always falling in a period when the summer rush would end and then the film festival would start and a friend of mine was always looking for someone, his friend was looking to hire someone all the time to do this like crappy job at a cinema that nobody wants to do and it paid way less than working on set so I don't even know why so, yeah, I took it. <laughs> I was just like always needed to be working, and Mm -hmm. I felt like, oh, well, I get to watch free films, why would I not do that?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I mean, and it was experience, and I met a lot of people doing that. I met lots of people over those three years, um, whether they were guests, people that worked at the film festival, um, you know, programmers from around the world, and it kind of, like, piqued my interest in a different direction, so.
3: I was going to say, too, I got a grant to work with a story editor. So that would have cost me like 5,000 mm-hmm. bucks. But I got a grant and I called it a mentorship. Don't tell anyone. So mm-hmm. they were mentoring me but they also went through my script <laughs> like three times. So, you know, you can be creative like that and she was mentoring me, mm-hmm. but I also hired her to do, you know, editing on my script. And there's lots of, like, you know, BC Arts, can- I don't know, BC Arts, can- there's other arts councils you there's can all, do too, there's tons BC, of stuff. BC's, yeah, Canada
2: it's a really competitive... Ontario is yeah. like a lot, there's a lot more programs like than Ontario. There's way more money, there's way more money. Yeah. <laughs> Ontario and mm-hmm. Quebec have way more money. But there's
3: mentorship programs with yeah. BC Arts Council now, where they say if you want to work with a story editor, if you want to build... A p- and, you know, I took this night course at George Brown College, it cost me like a hundred and something a semester, and this was like a highly ranked story editor totally eccentric woman she made people cry but for me it's like I'm not going to hire someone who's going to tell me what I want to hear if I'm going to hire a story editor I want to see the red lines I want to see your critique I want to know what doesn't work that's going to it's going to hurt but we can't cradle each other through that creative process because you want something that's going to get produced right that's just me there's like a little bit of an edge there but who wants to hire someone who's just going to tell them that they want to hear you're not going to get better right Anyway, so I just took this course at George Brown College, and she was amazing. And you know, yeah. and then there's women. What is it? Women in TV and film here. Yep. There's yeah. co-ops. Yeah. Like there's there's so much film stuff. Film like film. you have yeah.
1: access to. There's uh, Telus has a fund for optic TV. and actually, yeah. yeah. uh, uh, Story Hive. Yep, Story Hive. And though, um, also I just found out they will put on optic TV any community programming that's yeah. set a broadcast. And see, and you know, is appropriate for PG audiences. Then um, you just submit it. So there's just there's a lot going on out there, but you have to
3: kind of do research and find it. Make sure you have an elevator pitch too. Mm-hmm. The worst thing is when people pitch stuff to you and they're talking for half an hour but with their film or their project, and <laughs> you're like, okay, I just lost you. You know, like make sure you you know what your project is. You have your log line. You can say it in under two minutes. Because once you lose somebody, it's your first uh, impression kind of thing, (laughs) you know. Just be prepared for anything. Well, you must hear that. You must get pitched all the time. (laughs) Excellent advice. They have this movie about a cabin. Yeah. (laughs) And then they go on and on, and you're like, oh, my God. Really? Friend
1: called me up and said I have this uh, opportunity to produce this movie, and she gave me that title. I went like, stop right there. <laughs> I know what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave her the whole synopsis, and then she's just silent. She's like, "Well, what if the two
2: characters?" Are-
3: <laughs> and that's not the place to do it, right? Yeah. That's not the place to throw ideas around. It's like be ready. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's but it's being
1: clear in your mind, and you would want to do that as a content creator of what is the story I'm telling? So, um, you know, it's just, you'll know it. You'll know and it, and it'll come out, and even if you don't, yeah. I'll draw it out of you, and you'll yeah. have your one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> liner conversation.
3: But you're nice. Some people are not nice. Some no, <laughs> some people, some people like, will not
1: have time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, They will not have time, and there's the pile is so high, they just, tell me what it is. Tell me what it is. What is it? What is it? What is it? Yeah. Um, even uh, the format. Sometimes people talk about this idea, and like, and you can't envision it until I you know. Is this a web series? Yeah. Right. Is this um, an what is installation? It? Yeah. It's like, what are we talking about here? And so, just being very clear about your vision is yeah. It's good.
2: Good to know.
3: And have a few projects. <laughs> you
2: have Both yeah, things here. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I'm
5: just wondering about uh, your thoughts on the future of the industry. I know like. Uh, audiences are moving more towards more mobile platforms and different screen sizes and that kind of thing, and so films are cheaper to produce than ever. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on kind of like how the film industry is, is evolving? That's
2: an interesting I question. I would <laughs> say that
1: the accessibility of content now is that uh, like it's, it's easier to find content, uh, sorry, there's more content out there than ever before because there's so many ways of, of uh, so many platforms and so it's actually harder to stand out. Mm-hmm. It might be easier to make, but because of that there's so much more. I don't know if you've seen a rise in film festivals. Yeah. Because the volume is just increasing, increasing. The number of submissions we get now compared to what we got five years ago is outrageous. Mm-hmm. Like so and that's a yeah. short period of time. Yes. So yeah. there's there Work. is um, there's fewer barriers to enter. Yes. Um Work. so that's wonderful in that you can more people can tell their stories but it's what I think is critical now is how do you find your audience Mm -hmm. because you can get lost in um, in the volume of the sheer volume of what's out there so you more than any other generation are very skilled at Understanding all the platforms that are out there and how you might create an audience for your film even before you make it.
2: Yes. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting.
1: Yeah, it's it's a very interesting. In
2: some ways, it's also interesting. You know that cinema has persisted in its kind of original form in the sense people still go to movie like even though it's not it's no longer the dominant mass media it once was it sort of had that time so you know that's shifted as well and so now it's like the air of TV and, you know, episodic and everything. So um, I don't know what you're interested in, but...
3: I was going to add, too, with um, ASCII Boys for CMF, Canadian Media Fund, we had the TV component and then we had the digital component. But they couldn't be the same. So your digital, your create, you have a whole other budget for your digital component, so we created a website that was more interactive, and we have all the episodes on there, how-to videos, added content to the TV series. Right? And then with the CBC short docs, when working with CBC with Niso Tewak, it was just a 15 minute short film. But they're like, okay, but this has to be interesting enough where people will watch the whole thing on their devices. I was like, oh my God, okay, hopefully yeah. they will. But they have, and they're like, well, we've got to use more text. So text has got to pop up during the film. Mm-hmm. So, but she's like, you can totally submit to festivals and stuff like that, which I've been doing, but it's also online. So that budget, you know, like you can work from 10000 to 20000 for these smaller pieces. We had a two-day shoot, you know. So I think, but the big thing for me is like we can create content, but for me is make sure the quality's there. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I shot on my iPhone, but I know about shooting, right? Like I can hold it steady or, you know, or if you have the money, hire a good sound person. Because the worst thing is watching a film and the sound's crap and you're just like, you're, you're kicked out of the film. Or if the camera's all over, (laughs) you know, like, I'm just like, oh my God, I can't watch this. So I think, you know, we have so much content now, but I think we have to kind of look at quality again. You know what I mean? Because we can pump stuff up and the story is good, but I also think we have to think at quality again. Like, go back to that, you know, remember when we were shooting on film? Yeah. You don't have, like, like your budget. It's like if you mess, like I said, if you don't measure properly with film, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, you have to reshoot that and it's expensive to go buy... (laughs) film, <laughs> you know, so and then and then now with digital we're always like, oh, we'll fix it in post, we'll so fix true. it in post yeah. so when we were doing film we were actually taking the time setting up the shots, making sure everything was, like, you actually took the time necessary to actually make sure that there was a lot of planning in every single shot and right now we're just like, oh yeah, we'll just like get, the, you know, like, so it's a very different time
2: The skills in a way are different too, like, yeah. like now being Having a mastery of After Effects and all those things you can do in post is really useful. So you can actually do things in post. Yeah, (laughs) you know, it's like yeah, it makes you.
3: But you don't want to be spending your time correcting stuff. Not correcting, not correcting, correcting,
2: but having those skills are you know give you a whole different kind of uh, marketability.
0: Um, But in terms of platforms, uh, um, you're talking strictly just distribution, right? Like, what where is Mm -hmm. the end product going to end up? Is what Mm -hmm. you're concerned. So I would say that there are other things to consider with that because um, the form of cinema is changing in some ways as well. There's now different emergences of transmedia, mm-hmm. uh, augmented reality, VR. Yeah, VR is um, So all of these are becoming uh, interchangeable with screen-based cinema in some way. Um, and in the first
2: r-
3: world. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. <Yeah>. It's, it's <laughs> very early, but like that's...
0: Likely the direction that a lot of this will end up. For there are going to be careers there, so oh yeah. if you want to like put yourself in the room where you might be able to open a door to one of those
3: things, that's probably a good idea at this point. <laughs> There's a real shift happening now. What's his name? How do you say his name? The, the director of Thor.
0: Ty- 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 yeah, like yeah. he
3: was like he's been doing like film and. and Zealand and stuff and he has like kind of smaller budget films with the New Zealand Film Commission we showed I don't know what happened like what like yeah. boy, and boy, we we boy yeah. yeah and then so and now he's like he's got you know things are shifting they're shifting for women they're shifting for people who are coming from marginalized communities like doors are opening so it's a really exciting time mm-hmm. it is you know yeah. and then having my kids watch I mean it's Thor I mean it's still a Hollywood film but I was just in L.A., and we had, like, maybe 50 elementary kids, all indigenous. And they were so happy. The kids were like, he's Native! Oh, my God! You know, like, the kids were freaking out. And, like, there's this amazing shift that's happening in cinema right now and film. So there's so much opportunity. And then, you know, we're getting rid of some guys, too. But, you know, yes. those gatekeepers, you know, <laughs> um, so, which is really great. Yeah. So things are, it's an exciting time, for sure. Um,
5: but how would you define Canadian cinema and what do you say to people that are going south of the
3: border? It goes beyond Adam Egoyen. No she <laughs> 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 Remember when he yeah. was the only guy making film in Canada? Was, oh, another Adam. No, no just kidding.
5: Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, I, if it comes from someone who lives in Canada, it's a Canadian film. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so... Um, uh, I, I just... That's what I love about it it's just you know there is there is no there's no rules
5: what about content and kind of the ideas or the ideology behind
0: it do you see trends Uh, I see I mean I don't watch a lot of the Canadian film until after the festival generally I watch what is shown at the festival um, because I don't watch it during submissions so I don't know so much perhaps about all of the trends but what ends up in the major programs I know about um, I would say that there's like really exciting stuff happening in Canadian cinema right now. There are a lot of very young filmmakers uh, in Toronto Montreal, here Nova Scotia um, who are doing like really cool things that are being exported around the world mm-hmm. um, and getting some traction which has not really happened for a lot of young filmmakers. The only ones who would ever be able to make it beyond our borders were the ones who showed it Film so the Film Festival, so the Goyans and mm-hmm. the Cronenbergs and, you mm-hmm. know, like, that that was it. That was Xavier it. Xavier Dolan, <laughs> you know, like, that's it. Uh, but now, um, there's a lot of young Canadian filmmakers who are, because of the, like, disruption of the old models, mm-hmm. are now being able to find ways to reach bigger audiences. So it's pretty hopeful, actually. Um, and if you've got, like, good ideas and you're not um, being redundant, so then you have a pretty good fighting chance.
2: Would you say there's like a greater freedom as opposed like I, I don't know, in the US I guess it d- just depends. But if you're gonna be doing the kind of commercial cinema in the US, in some ways yeah. I think there's less freedom that, you know, you can I mean the commercial cinema in Canada, there's yeah. it's still quite you know independent mean, you can yeah. so there's a freedom. There's not somebody who's kind of dictating what you have to or censoring or and there's more maybe? development i think but p- potential with
0: canadian films because of places like telefilm or um this year canada's the first country outside of the eu to be invited into getting eu financing oh wow um yeah. which opens up a massive pool of money for higher level filmmakers so if you're like hoping to work at that level, and not only make independent films, um, and you want to go into production, you want to learn about how to make big budget films, um, you know the doors are opening, so there's like tons of money out there for you in the next 5 to 10 years probably. Yeah, Yeah, it's exciting.
3: (laughs) I think for me too, I kind of get stuck at the mid-career, which has kind of been difficult for me, is like I got all these small projects, and I know how to handle them, I got the TV series. But now the next step is I'd like to make a, a feature film, but then it's like I have to kind of relearn things and you know. But I think it's like you know this is a good person to know here at Telefilm. My God, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like and you know, then what's
2: that? Uh, one filmmaker, remember, he said, you know, if you're gonna go for hundred thousand, why why not go for half a million? Right, because you know? we're
3: so used to making films yeah. for five hundred bucks. Exactly, <laughs>
2: exactly. Like why why you right. know actually do your project? you know, at that level. Right. Ask about your,
1: your A, B, C, and D plan. Yeah. Um, because our micro-budget program, which is Budget Center 250, it jump-starts, I mean, people could spend four years raising that 500000 but if you can do it for 250, then these stories are getting, and I think that's where we're seeing a lot of exciting filmmaking, because just stories are getting told because they're waiting to do the Adam Gordon model. Of you know, raising the, you know,
2: the his his models of kind of
1: changed too. Well, over his models changed. <laughs> yeah, as, no, <laughs> and, um, you know, there are more of people wanting to make films than there were when he was starting out, and you know, some uh, a funding body like Telephone will not be able to fund every single person that wants to make a film. you exactly. can't, um, and that's why having those smaller projects to start and. To you know, help you with your vision so that when when you know the time is right to come and ask for that money, when you're when you're ready, um, and then you will have that
0: behind you. Um, mm. But and you should know that programmers, the at least programmers I know, do pay attention to student work. They do want to know what's coming next. They are looking at what's being made. So mm-hmm. you do have an opportunity to like catch someone's eye even right now. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: But if you take a page out of, like, just to know, like, you know, what does Canadian film feel like? If you just look at, you know, the VIF guide, Mm -hmm. and you pull out the page of, like, must-see BC, and you look at the range of Mm -hmm. projects being done, from very experimental downtown east side, working with non-actors, to very kind of mainstream thriller, to, I mean, it's... Uh, range. It's there's a
3: huge range, and that's what's exciting about it. Because I think it reflects Canadian society. I do too. Yeah, you know, like exactly. it's really exciting. Like there's such a diversity, yeah, and that comes through in our films. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of our films are set in the kitchen. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's the main set is the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, I mean you should know what's out there. You
0: should be watching it. You should you yeah. should know what you're getting into. You should know the landscape of what is being done.
1: And those new filmmakers that are having successes at festivals and being programmed um, might be your future partners. And so knowing what mm-hmm. that uh, uh, you know people just five years ahead of you are doing is, is really really good. Kathleen
0: Hepburn, who won the big, all the big she awards, awards this year, the
3: too, right? yeah, yeah,
0: she started that film th- that won this year. She started as a short student film and it was submitted to VIF, and it screened. And then uh, she got development money to make it into a feature. And it won a bunch of awards, and is
1: now being shown at other multiple festivals around the world. So So Kathleen came in to me and said, well, here's my short film, and I have a feature that's based on that. I'm like, yes, please. (laughs) Because you could already see her vision, because she had made this short film, and then she had this beautiful script. And so you knew exactly what her plan was. Mm-hmm. It was very easy that's a very easy yes mm-hmm. it's a beautiful film Yeah, it's yeah. lovely
5: yeah. I guess it's very prominent to us as film studies kids mm-hmm. uh, or students um, <laughs> 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 but I'm a kid um, but you, the, the things that you do range from production from the idea of making a film seeing it through to actually having the physical copy to choosing it for a film festival to screening it and then to, to hear reception academia is almost on the completely the 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 next step after that so is academic attention for films either your own films or films in general is that ever in your kind of peripheral vision
3: is that for any at distribution any point
5: Important. you know what like yeah, when you're I
3: mean, film, like you go know, at a festival like there's a hundred people there but if you go to a classroom and there's 300 students and they're using your film in their curriculum like people like <laughs> overlook that a lot <laughs> like you know just, like my films are in the library here yeah you know too. so yeah. it's like right on. You I know? think it's so cool. Yeah. I got a
2: call. Like, I didn't even know they were in the library yeah. and the sociology professor said, oh, the DVD's not working of your film. Can you?" I was wondering how to get another <laughs> copy. I was like, oh. <laughs> community screenings? Yeah. So
3: how cool. we, I do community screenings. Like I have copies of my own. I have a distributor which is a non-for-profit and it's an arts-based distribution in Toronto, which I love. So for me, I'll just do community screenings. I don't even care if I get paid or not. It's just a way to kind of because if your films are not being seen, what's the point? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I just like... But even on the side yeah.
2: of teaching, you know, I I feel like, for me, even like how can I get other, you know, uh, young minds to think about different types like the yeah. multi-vocality and plurality of cinema and showing even more kind of obscure things um, to students. So I, th- I think it's so important and I think... Like film curriculum development needs to include other voices mm-hmm. um, and so on, so I think it's it's so formative, right? Like when we study cinema, it's such a formative thing that it's so important, I think, even on the curriculum side, to fight for having that multifocality of voices instead of you know always showing kind of the euro Western canon exactly. that gets reproduced a lot. So yeah. um, I can get published too, you can write about
3: stuff. That's what I'm doing with my PhD. Mm -hmm. Just like publishing here and there, so yeah.
4: Okay, great. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up with that. Um, thank you so much again for taking your time and sharing all everything with us. Um, we really appreciate it. Thanks Thanks for
2: having us.
0: Today's episode was produced by Diraj Warren and Michael Stringer. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes to keep up to date with future episodes. And like Us on Facebook for events and more content.